Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 64 of the Post 20 Podcast. My name is Evan. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on this week, Matt? Well, lots of snow. We're, we're really in the thick of the winter right now. We were talking in the pre-show about it, uh, slipping and sliding on all the slushy ice out there, but keeping up with the Prem and continually losing money every week, keep going deeper in the hole. Yeah, I, uh, I've been trying to take a break. It's not it's not working. It's not a great break for me. Um, I've bet, I think, four or five days of the break so far, so I don't know if you could even classify it as that. Um, what, what spurred it for me was uh, FanDuel has this thing called the 3x2 or the 2x3. It's, oh it's an NBA boost, anyway. Um, you pick a game, and... As long as there's three three-point field goals made in the first two minutes of an NBA game, it's you, you make it. And and I think it's a plus 150 or plus 100. I don't know. If you bet 50, you make 50. So I was like, oh, this is a lock. Like, it's it's Suns, it's Suns Nets. This is a lock, bro. The, both of those teams shoot hella threes. I mean... It just it didn't happen. I mean, they let Tyler Johnson shoot all the threes, and the kid is fucking brick. He he couldn't make yeah. he couldn't make anything. He's horrendous. Yeah, yeah. I had a parlay on that game too. I I was short on two. I had a uh, I had Chris Paul eight assists. He ended on seven. I had Harden on twelve assists. He ended on eleven. And then my other horrible. things hit. Yeah, and and it was just it was just absolutely tragic. It made me so mad. And I was just sitting there, like texting in my group chat. I was like, "Why? Why? Like, why do I do this? What? <laughs> what made me think that putting money? I didn't even have to put money in there. I had money in there. What made me think that this was a good bet? Like, this was a good choice? The odds of three three-point field goals going in in just the first two minutes of a game not that great. But the fact that somebody earlier on or two weeks ago said the three by two is always a lock, just." I was like, oh, I mean, of course it's a lock. It's a, it's a mortal lock. Of course it's going to happen. And it just didn't. And I'm just fed up with, like, that shit. Because let's say, like, you put 50 bucks in, right? You put 50 yeah. bucks in two or three times a week if you're having a bad week. 150 bucks if you deposit three times. That $150, if you take it at the end of, the, of every week, let's say you're a shitty better, because I know a lot of people out there are shitty betters. I'm not a yeah. great better, but I am I'm a positive better. All time, I'm I'm a couple grand up. So let's say you're a shitty better and you burn 150 every week. If you add that all together over the course of a year, Jesus. It's a ton of money. You're losing 600 a month times that by 12 at yeah. $7200 a year. It's it's 7 grand a year. And I mean, I know plenty of people that are doing that. I know plenty. I could probably name you five or six people that are doing that, and not pe- not people with I mean, jobs, bro. People that work <laughs> jobs, not people that work jobs in you know the summertime, and oh, yeah. and, and they're like, oh, I don't have any money. Like, I'll call somebody. You want to play golf? I don't have any money. Oh, why don't you have money? Oh, well, I gambled it on the Nets and the Suns. Oh, okay, that's not me. I- I'd rather I'd rather have my money and yeah. And spend it on actual concrete physical things. Um, I think gambling is fun. I think it's, you know, for a couple bucks here or there. And I think parlays really are what do it for me. But yeah. like, oh my God, some people are actually addicted. 
Yeah, I've watched a couple of videos recently about you have to be strict with your bankroll and yeah. they use the rule like don't don't bet over five percent of your bankroll because then you just get out of hand and yeah. you can't bet everything on one thing. Even if it's a short thing, you gotta cover your ass. Mm -hmm. The science behind gambling is is very, very interesting. And I do think that the the strategies that you have to employ to be a successful better uh are are actually just rooted in mathematics and yeah you know the guys that are strict and stingy with their units and you know this is a max play this is a one unit play this is a four unit play you'll see tipsters and things like that giving them out you know for free on twitter and instagram and whatever but the guys guys that are really good sports handicappers they make a lot of money because there is a science behind it i choose to bet with my balls instead of my brain and I think most of us do that, but um, it, it's an interesting thing. I think you know. Um, I'm glad that New Jersey has sports betting because it is it is fun and it does add another dimension uh, when you're when you're watching sports. I'm I'm really glad we have it here. Yeah, it's so new and it's or it's in its early infancy where it's slowly making its way across the country in every state. And I think once it's all the way around like 50 states, it's gonna be crazy because I, I mean, there's still times where like you travel and you go to place a bet you're like oh here we go and then like this it's not legal in that state and it's kind of like a buzzkill mm -hmm. yeah because you're talking about doing your your uh, tour in the south yeah so so the nice thing it, okay well, well i'll get into that actually now um the nice thing about being in the south though is a lot of those states you can use books that are located in other places like um bovada is one if you're in florida you can use bovada because it's not against florida laws to use a legally registered book that operates in another place it's just illegal to bet in florida at a florida book because there are no florida books um but but the south thing that we were talking about i have made the decision um that in the fall i will be traveling the american south I think it's either going to be the South or I'm going to go Southwest, maybe like Arizona, hit Texas on the way, those, those States, or I'm just going to stay in like the Southeast corridor, um, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, and kind of travel around the States and document my trip and play as much golf at as many courses as I possibly can. Um, I need a break. <laughs> I need a break so badly right now, and I'm not going to be able to give myself that break, or at least as long as I would like to. So I'm going to try and get away a little bit here soon. But um, this fall, when I am only taking a course or two courses and am, am right on the brink of graduating, I have made the decision that I will be going on a trip and you know, making content, being just trying to get myself into a creative mindset and 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 make myself feel better because i mean being locked up here and and doing what we've had to do for the past however many months just sit and grind and not get to enjoy anything essentially um has been detrimental to to my mental health my physical health and i think to a lot of people's um and i i feel compelled to to make this trip and do this thing and, and make myself happy again. Uh, and I think that it will, it will provide very interesting content and I don't know if anybody's going to want to watch it or, or if anybody will even think about watching it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it. And I'm really excited. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited and 
yeah i think it'd be a cool thing yeah i, I totally agree with that i want to try to do the same thing but uh i mean when you're recording and everything it's more about you enjoying that you're doing it rather than wanting other people to enjoy watching it yeah That'll of course come. if you if you really love what you, uh, like love the whole process and like what you're doing then other people will see that and they'll like it just because of how much effort you put into it you know what i mean yeah and i think that i could brand it for the show like within the show you know what i mean i think yeah. it could 100 percent just be a post 20 series because that's what it is. Uh, the very core, the inception of this show was centered around what life was like after 20. And and that's part of why we still haven't changed the name. We've we've thought about changing the name, but I'm kind of still there. I mean, like I, I'm kind of still stuck on it because right now this is what our life is <laughs> post 20. And although it may be maybe a little depressing or it may not be quite what we had hoped, it it is truthful this is this is how you know life has been for us and you know post the year 2020 that's still this is what it is you know uh, it's ironic that we kind of started you know and and had have most of our show's existence within that year of 2020 we started right at that you know, crazy polarizing time yep so yeah i wanted to let everybody in on that um i was inspired by there's, there's a lot of different like independent film independent filmmakers and guys that make their own documentaries and um I, I just I don't know all that creativity is is so far gone for me right now that I think taking time resetting getting back to what I like to do what I love to do um will be really kind of enriching you know mm-hmm. okay uh, let us get to the football, since that is, after all, what we mostly discuss on this show. Match day 24 proved to be rather eventful. Leicester City toppled Liverpool. Manchester City came through for us. Wolves eked out a win against Southampton. And Arsenal had an excellent showing against Leeds. We're going to start off chronicling the Leicester City-Liverpool game, which was, for me, just pure comedy. I mean, it was it was the best game of the week. Uh, what's wrong with Allison? What in the fucking world happened to Allison? I don't know, man. I don't know whether like there's something going on with him at home. If he's having trouble in the bedroom, like I don't know. Like, I was gonna say, did anything. he walk in on his wife getting railed by some other guy? What is going on? I don't know. It's something. But there were other people that could be blamed for this too. The defense fell asleep the last 10 minutes of the game was where it was lost. I mean, it all started with that Madison, was it a penalty free kick? And yeah. they ended up making it a free kick. So that it was like, okay, they still have a chance. And then Madison absolutely puts a banger in and it just, it just rolled downhill from there. This game was nil nil going into halftime. The first goal wasn't scored until the 67th minute. Liverpool went into the 70th minute leading 1-0 and they looked like they had started to put it together. In the span of 8 minutes, something entirely switched because in those 8 minutes before Leicester scored their first goal, Liverpool were very shaky and it looked like after they came out from the half that they had kind of solidified things and something switched and you could see as soon as Leicester scored that first goal that Klopp something happened in Klopp's mind too because he was livid he was screaming at his players you could tell how fucking angry he was 
and and Klopp is going through some personal issues that you know my heart goes out to him because truly you know being able to travel for Europa League or for Champions League games not being able to travel home to see your mother's funeral I just think is disgraceful um and I feel for him but you can tell that there is an issue there is some sort of dynamic that has been stressed between Klopp and his team and and just the minute that that Madison scored things went downhill Vardy added another three minutes later in the 81st and Barnes added you know the nail in the coffin in the 85th that Liverpool defense was just getting carved and I know James Madison and Vardy and Barnes all all three of them are quick and and really scrappy and sharp players but Liverpool's entire squad isn't that bad. That shouldn't be happening. You shouldn't be collapsing as a team of their caliber like that, regardless of what's going on with with injuries. And I just, it was hilarious to me. I, I'm I'm glad. I was tired of listening to Liverpool say we're going to win the G- the CL. We're going to win the league. You're not winning either. Your team's fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, they conceded after this result, saying that the their defense was over. Um... Was it was this Quebec's full debut, like his first start? Yeah, it was, and and he didn't look great, but I don't think you can you can necessarily pin this on him. Um, right, TAA has been absolutely exposed. I mean, he is a fraud. He is a well, he's never been a fraud. I mean, even when he was in his prime, he's never been a defense first kind of guy. It's right. all about his crawl, his delivery in the box, and getting into pockets of space that modern fullbacks nowadays use to their advantage. But defense is not his thing. And when he has a, a informed winger, like how Harvey Barnes is playing right now, it's pretty hard to, for him to match up with that. Right. But, but here's the thing. The reason that, that TAA and, and Rabo both were so effective last year was because it took a long time for teams to adapt to that, that cross and drag style. Right. And yeah. now that teams have figured that out, adapted to it, <laughs> they're not effective anymore. And if they can't adapt and become better defensive players, then they have no value in this Liverpool team. And I think I made this point last time. It was like they don't, maybe they don't see they can take as much freedoms knowing they don't have Van Dyke back there to cover for them. Perhaps. I don't know. There's a lot of different things you can attribute it to. But yeah, like you said, they are getting exposed. And I mean, we both predicted them to finish top four, but at this rate, they might not even make top six. They could slip down. Uh, other teams are starting to to look sharp again, and Leicester look, or Liverpool looked looked really good against Leipzig last night. But I don't know about their their form in the Premier League. It seems like they're just due for more slips and slips until until they get some some normalcy back in their defense, which I don't know when that will be. They got three straight losses in the league. Yeah. And you know, one of two of those losses are at home. I think. Yeah. To, so to City and uh, Brighton. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. Um, this this was a a very eventful game. That those last like you know twenty minutes were just electric. Mm-hmm. Um, when when Leicester are on and Leicester are potent and Vardy is on the pitch, man, they are so entertaining to watch. And I watched ninety minutes of you know when Vardy isn't on the pitch today versus Slavia Prague, and the difference is night and day. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Uh, we have Crystal Palace 0, Burnley 3. This is the second time that Burnley has scored three goals this season, I believe. It is. And I bet against Burnley. I cannot pick a 
a fixture that Burnley is involved in right for my life. If you had a gun to my head and made me pick it, I I would die because I'm just picking the wrong one every time. I don't think I'll pick a right one for the for the rest of the season. I was on Burnley early. They did it once for me, and then I bet on them again. And ever since then, I just have been on the opposite side of the of the coin every single time. Yeah, I mean, the game was one of the first 10 minutes. They grabbed two early goals, and Crystal Palace just couldn't adapt. The coaching staff for Palace was confused with how they went down so early. And it, uh, the commentators I was listening to, it, they were making a good point saying that they're out of the FA Cup, the League Cup, they're not in Europe, so and they're looking to be a mid-table side. Like They're not going to be able to push for anything, so... Maybe the players don't see any reason to have to like try hard. I don't know. I don't think that's the right mentality to have, and I don't know if that's entirely true, but there's just something about those players. They just don't have the motivation to push on to the in these games when they go behind. Well, they lack they lack a skill, I would say. But Burnley are good because they're gritty and they're yeah. defensively very strong. But they, they do lack the ability to, like you said kind of well up that confidence going forward and when you go down then that only makes that harder so i think that's really where the issue is jay rodriguez is is one of your most technically skilled players and and that's like you know that's really saying something yeah i mean he scored the last he has two goals the last two games for them so or he got one one goal and two assists oh yeah i I don't I'm, i'm not trying to um slate his skills i think he's actually a good player but he's not He's not necessarily technically like, you know, he's, he's not, not like, he's not one he's of not those like, wingers or forwards that you're thinking of like Eze or Zaha. You know what I mean? He's, yeah, he's not explosive. He, yeah, he's not going to give you a worldie. He's he's been around for a while now. He was at Southampton back in the day, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like I've been watching him for quite a few years. You know what you can expect from Jay Rodriguez, and he has been consistent this year. But but he's like he's one of their best players, and they just don't. They don't have much else. So I wasn't expecting a 3-0 result here, uh, especially with, with Burnley being the one scoring three. I thought maybe Palace would, would eke this out, but uh, I was wrong. Um, good good fun match, especially the first first half. I just, I just saw this stat before we move on uh, for Crystal Palace. It says Crystal Palace have lost 18 of their last 20 Premier League games in which Wilfred Zaha hasn't played, with the Eagles failing to score in 16 of those 18 defeats. Jesus. So, so next week, they play Brighton. Brighton's a pretty decent team right now. They have five clean sheets in their last six. So, Well, how about that? Interesting stat. Mm-hmm. Uh, next match. I'm not really going to have much to say here. This is kind of what we expected to happen. Manchester City 3, Tottenham 0. We were both on City here. We didn't think that their run would end here, but we did acknowledge that Tottenham had beaten them earlier on in the season. Um, It seems like, you know, from the last time City and Tottenham played, the two teams have switched roles. I think Tottenham was in second place or top of the table when that happened, and City were all the way down towards 11th. So now City being in first and, and Tottenham being further down towards sixth or seventh, uh, they, they've switched their roles around a bit. And I mean, all I have to say is I don't see City stopping at all. I just cannot see it. I don't know how you beat this team right now. 
Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, Gundogan take a bow, son. He's, he's just a, too easy. How about it, dude? He's unreal. He's having, I said last week, career resurgence. This is the best I've ever seen him play. Yeah, now on the year, he's got 11 goals, two assists. He's got more goals now than uh, Suchek, and he's up there with Bruno. Yeah. So, I mean, Ederson got an assist as well in the game, so he's he's getting more assists than most players in the league now. It's it's so crazy, dude. Ederson's ability to get the ball up there to to players that are looking for it is so impressive too. His accuracy is unreal. It's really I mean, really cool. He's the outright number one uh, goalkeeper for Brazil in my mind. Allison too, obviously with what's going on recently. But and he needs to carry this for him because they'll have the Copa America soon, and then carrying on into qual- World Cup qualifiers. Dude, you could dig up Dita's corpse. And play it in goal, and it would be better than Allison right now. Seriously, he's hor- he's horrible. It's crazy. I would be sick watching. Like as a Liverpool fan, I would be sick watching him right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say Tottenham just they can't figure it out right now. Mourinho no. Mourinho just doesn't have faith in his players anymore, and the system he wants to use. It doesn't work with these players, and I don't think he's going to have enough time to... He's not going to be given enough time to bring in the players he wants uh, before he gets sacked. So I think after this season, if Tottenham doesn't finish top six, I think they, Mourinho gets sacked. I'll I do too. And, and I think that they're going to be absolutely sick watching what Pochettino's doing with that PSG team who arguably have... Well, they they've got more qual they they have more quality just because they have Mbappe and Neymar, but outside of those two, I mean, what else do they have? Nothing, nothing crazy. Um, I mean, they have that up and coming Chavi Simmons they got from the Barcelona Academy, seventeen, yeah, center mid. But that's that's for a couple years. But I mean, Mbappe grabbed a hat trick in the Champions League. Touched on that, made it look easy against Barcelona. They were without Neymar, who's been out with injury. Yeah. Um, name. I mean, uh, Mbappe is just insane. He's unreal. He's like he's like R nine except better. He's quicker. He's just. He, I don't see anyone ever being as good, talented as he is. And he's very professional. Like he's yeah. not. He's not like Neymar at times, where he's kind of like a showsman in that. I mean, he can have little glimpses glimpses of it, but he just he's a very humble guy. It seems like, and he just moves on to the next game, which is nice to see. I mean, he's won literally everything except the Champions League at this top point. Yeah, and I don't know if we're going to see him. I saw today um, that Fabrizio Romano, probably the most notable transfer um, reporter and just a football reporter in general, said today like he he sees no reason why why Mbappe would ever leave PSG. I do think that there's there's reasons why he would leave PSG, especially because I think he's a competitive player and he wants to win other trophies. Um, right. But but yeah, I, I think Tottenham would be sick seeing you know letting Pochettino go and being stuck with Mourinho, who just he's a Mourinho's a cancer at this point in his career. He can't stay at a club for more than two to three seasons before things just turn out to be shit. Right. He he makes these clubs erupt though. Like think about what happened to Chelsea and think about what happened at United. Like it's it's bad. First year's good, wasn't it? His first season with United, they won the Europa League. Yeah, and his first season back with Chelsea, they won the league. Yeah. And then but the after that, season. it gets really bad. Yeah, teams just figure things out, and they adapt. and Right. 
he just can't adapt his his ways are he he doesn't change with the times it's just it's like his thing so and plus like we said before like the players don't fit his system and how it works like he's used to having a john terry a lampard se and like he's used to those types of players that don't have aren't aren't big drama queens they listen to what the, the manager says and they do their best to carry out his orders where nowadays it's like if you're not meeting certain player demands, then they're not going to perform to their best abilities. And yeah, you're the guy taking the bullets for it because it's easier to get rid of the manager rather than get rid of the player. Yeah. And I saw today, like Ibrahimovic said, like I would, I would follow Mourinho into war. Like uh, I, I would do anything he told me because that's just how players used to be back then. And I know yeah. it like, Ibra's still playing, and it's not like it was that long ago that he was good. But even in the time from Ibra's prime to now, the player-coach dynamic has changed so much, and it's all sports. It's not just it's not just soccer. Um, so that has something to do with it. You know, Mourinho was a leader of men, and players don't want to be led anymore. That's an issue, and I think that's part of part of the issue at Tottenham. Uh, we'll move on, but I mean, really, really unfortunate for them. Okay, next match, Brighton-Aston Villa-Snorfest, nil-nil. Like you said, Brighton has been able to keep five of their last six clean sheets. Very impressive. I don't know how Brighton didn't win this game. They have 26 shots, nine on target, dominate possession, excuse me, and they held Aston Villa to only one shot on target. It just really shows how much, uh, what's the word? They don't have any talent up front. They don't have guys consistently banging in goals. And they don't have the speed. They literally don't have speed I know. to get them into these positions where they're easier rather than having to create more complicated chances. I don't know what it is. Solly March is probably their quickest player. Uh, Trossard, maybe, actually. He's only got two on the season. I think Mupai's got seven. I think he leads it. And then, like, Gross in the middle. And this McAllister guy's looking decent in uh, the center mid. He's a, uh, is he Swedish? Yeah. Oh, Argentinian. He's Argentinian. They oh, got really? Him. He's pretty good. Huh. But, but I mean, he's he's new to the side, and they control games. Like every game, I think the last four games I watched to them, they control the game, or they're in it like fifty fifty. They're never getting dominated, yeah. and they're strong on set pieces too. Like Lewis Dunk is an absolute monster in the air. He kind of reminds me of Terry at times. Yeah, he is very but, good. But Aston Villa this game was was just a shadow of what they usually are. I mean, they had their full strength lineup out there. There's no no uh, excuses they can make. Martinez stood on his head. He was my man of the match. Yeah, he's been absolutely crazy since he joined Aston Villa a few seasons ago. I mean, he if he could play like this that whole time he was um, behind Czech and before that even that would have been crazy. That would have been. Uh, like a decade-long goalkeeper for Arsenal, but things didn't work out that way. Yeah. And he got the move he needed, but yeah, I was very surprised Brighton didn't get the three points here. Yeah. It is actually, by the way, painful for me to see um, that we let go of Martinez because he was at Arsenal for actually quite some time, um, and he got even a couple starts, and he looked good in the starts. It's kind of a shame that we got rid of him, but I know uh, I am glad to see him getting first-team football somewhere. And and showing everybody that he is good, I, I'm you know I'm happy for him. I mean, hey, at least you're not Chelsea with Lukaku, Salo, De Bruyne, and like the list goes on. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, 
Yeah, there's not all that much to say about that. Villa, disappointing. Um, okay, so moving on. Southampton, one. Wolves, two. <sighs> Another just headache. Just absolute headache of a game. I thought this game was going to be identical to the FA Cup game earlier in the week because it started out the exact same. It started out with a Danny Ings goal. He hit it off a sweet volley. It was pretty sick. Yep. And then the game was kind of dull for most of the time. And then late in the game, freaking Wolves get back into it. uh, Headed the attack with uh, Pedro Neto, got a goal and an assist. Yeah. Uh, I get, oh, on on the fantasy app, they credit him for the assist, but it was a penalty for Ruben Neves, but he he got fouled in the box for it. So, yeah. Yeah. Triori came in, did his thing, his oiled up arms. He uses that to his advantage. And dude, he actually can't shoot. Like he cannot no. shoot. Have have you no. seen him try? No, it's terrible. Man. It's it is horrendous. I don't know how you can look like that and be that sort of physical specimen and be unable to shoot the ball. It, he reminds me of somebody I played with in college, where he joined our my junior year. He's like he was a all 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 American country star. Like he was a crazy track star. And oh, Ifa. No, no, no. This is uh, Pat. He's like a oh, year yeah. older than me. He was like the bulky guy, uh, kind of built like Seth, but he was so fast. And Clark would put him at the right wing, and he would just burn guys down the line. But when it came to crossing the ball, dude, it was absolutely horrendous. Yeah. So that's who. That's what uh, he reminds me of, Traore. Yeah. Yeah, Wolves really needed these three points here. Got him up to 12th place right behind Leeds. Get him out of that relegation battle zone. Uh, which Newcastle is leading the way in 17th. But yeah, uh, Wolves got revenge from the FA Cup and moving forward, they need to carry this on because they've looked inconsistent the past six games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I-, I was a little surprised here. I, I thought Southampton would get the win, but you know, Wolves wanted it more and, and that was really all there was. They 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 had more shots on target, but ultimately, you know, um, the game was was fairly close. Uh, what's up? Southampton. I was gonna say Southampton have lost their last six straight games in the league. Yeah, they're in putrid they form. And their last win was against Sheffield back in December. So yeah. they really got to figure something out soon. It's crazy to think that we're halfway through February now. Too, the year is moving quickly. Moving on, West Brom won, Man United won. Pitiful, putrid, of course. Uh, United are frauds. They're frauds. <laughs> I know. I, I What did we say here? We said United would win, right? Yeah, but, uh, but I, don't know if this was, I don't know if this was the game. Uh, I, oh, it was about Fulham. We were talking about Fulham, like the funny feeling. Yeah. Uh, hold on. You can talk about this. I have to take something into the other room. I'll be right back. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, Man United dropping these points here was massive. Literally from the jump, the first minute, the new signing, Diagna, I can't even pronounce it, their new signing up front, the striker. First minute cross in, takes advantage of Lindelof. He's got a bigger body than Lindelof. Cuts right in front of him, nods it right past De Gea, and you're thinking, holy shit, West Brom might actually get some points out of this game like they did against City earlier in the year in a 1-1 draw. And, I mean, it was United's strongest 11, you could say, without Pogba in there. You got you got Fred and McTominay holding it down in front of the center backs. You got Fernandez up there at Cam. 
And then you have Rashford out there on the wing. Big Sam put together the team well, and it was just it just worked out for him for once. They only give up one goal against the United team where they're conceding. West Brom have now conceded 55 goals this season, and they're only allowing one to a United team in second place. is pretty good for Big Sam. The one point only gets them up to up to 13 on the year. Still, they're looking like they're going to get dropped. West Brom is 100% going to get relegated this season. There's nothing they can do about it, even with all these new signings. It's just when they get that lead, they hunker down, and it just never it never comes out for them in the end. It always comes to where they drop the points. Yeah, sorry, I'm back. Bray's like fucking, my brother's like running around the room because I, I don't know. Yeah. Trying to print something because the printer's next to me over here. You're watching yeah. the video. He's like running around my room. Where's the printer paper? Bro, I don't know where the fucking printer paper is. What are you printing shit for? We're an online school. Uh, no, he has a deadline. I, I get it, but um, I I have nothing to say other than United are frauds. I can't believe that I ever bet on them. I just can't believe it. They 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 aren't good. They are not good. They overperform all the time. They are just not good. Rashford is literally a ghost. He just doesn't exist. And if Bruno doesn't assist a goal or score a goal, nothing's happening. McTominay's the only other player that I even have any sort of respect for. Mm-hmm. I hate these United players, dude. I fucking hate them. Yeah. It, it's yeah. disgusting, dude. We grew up in an era where United was so good and so talented. There's a caliber that is expected, and you are literally letting one Portuguese man carry the banner for your entire club. If you're a United fan, you should be ashamed of the way the club is run. It's gross. I mean, there was another Portuguese man that led the club, but he had a nice supporting cast well, with uh, I mean, that's Rooney and Tevez and Berbatov. He like, had guys that, in case he didn't perform, they would step up. And when Bruno doesn't perform, you don't know if the other guys are going to be there for him. Well, that's the thing you do know. Because they aren't, they aren't going to. When Bruno doesn't at least perform and put in a shift, they very rarely pick up the slack. He's in every team they play. He's in every single version of the squad. He has to be. Because he's the only source of creativity, the only source of magic, the only source of just caring. And nobody else cares. You know? Yeah, he's been on the score sheet the last three weeks. So he's, he's amazing. He's amazing. I, I can't believe it. Um, when he came in last season, even you saw it. Like he saved their season. He 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 brought them, you know, back. Mm-hmm. They, they would have finished in a horrible place, but but Bruno was as whatever. I don't know what they paid for him. I don't remember. But fuck, dude, it was good business. I mean, for what he's what he's providing now, whatever it was worth is is it definitely was. Uh, he was worth a hundred fifty. I know they didn't pay that, but like. He's the, he would go for that now. Oh, easily. Yeah, it's not even a question. Um, so sorry, Zach. I know you're a United fan. I have a lot of fans that are United, or I have a lot of friends that are United fans. He's um, a United fan, but he hates watching them because he knows that they'll disappoint him. Well, that's how we all feel, though, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I, I love know. watching Chelsea right now. I I enjoy watching Arsenal right now, but earlier this season it was pretty brutal. 
Yeah, like we're, we're both teams are in decent form. Chelsea more like we haven't lost under Tuchel yet. I know it's going to come sooner or later, but yeah, the way they're playing now is, I mean, I keep saying it reminds me of when Antonio Conte came in. It's like the similar style and format. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we'll move on from that horrible affair uh, onto a, a much happier occasion. Arsenal 4, Leeds 2. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought Leeds would maybe get one here early um, and and try and pile them on, and that's where Arsenal would be able to come back. But it was actually Arsenal that struck first. In the 13th, Pierre-Emerick scored his first. In the 41st, he added a penalty. In the 47th, he added a third. Hector Bellerin scored in between. Um, so, so, all, so, so all but one goal for Arsenal came in the first half. It was a strong first half, especially for Aubameyang, who looked happy for once on the pitch. It's, it's rare that I see him happy and performing. He was gone for a few weeks. Um, his mother was ill. So, so I think the support that he got from the Arsenal staff and fans um, really pleased him. I could tell that it did because he was very thankful on social media. Um, and I think he was really looking to get out there and, and give them a performance. So I was happy to see that. Um, the Bellerin goal was fine. But uh, they did fall flat a bit in the second half. They let Leeds add to uh, Pascal Strzic scored in the 58th and Helder Costa, who I think you have in fantasy, scored in the 69th. But Arsenal dominated this game. Yeah, uh, Aubameyang, his last two starts, he scored five goals. He made two other substitute appearances in that time. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's scoring, but it's not consistent. You need him to score at least one every two games and for you guys to climb the table because we were saying earlier with Saka he you need more guys to support uh just so if one guy doesn't the other ones are there to cover so yeah it's great to see a bombing do that um with Leeds scoring later in the game that just came to fitness the the style that Leeds plays man-to-man going 100 miles an hour it's very hard to hold them to zero goals which is a big feat in itself but yeah 4-2 they always have a shaky defense. You know if one goes in early, it's going to get piled on. Um, yeah, and it was great to see this type of result compared to the last time they played in a nil-nil draw. Yeah. So, I mean, moving forward, this is great for Arsenal going into a huge match against City. It's really they're good, really, yeah. They're really going to need to get at least two to three goals on the board if they want to keep up with City. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it's going to be. I think it's going to be a barn burner. I do think that Arsenal are going to be able to peel that City defense back, um, especially if we have a full-strength squad. Um, If we don't have a full-strength squad, we are losing. I think the match is going to be won or lost in the midfield because a lot of the times the ball is getting whipped out to the wings for City, and it's little cutbacks to Bernardo Silva and Gundogan who then have pockets of space top of the box when... The center backs are a couple yards deep, and so they can take guys one-on-one. I think that's really where it's going to be won due to how Jaka and Partey's positioning is or if uh, Caballos is in there. I'm it's really going to come Partey's down to those guys. I think yeah. him not playing in this game was showing a sign that he's going to get rested for that. I hope that he's in the City game because we need him desperately. Um, th- that's where the game is won and lost, truly is his presence in the midfield. Um, and he does he does provide service to the guys up top, and they play a lot better when he's on the pitch. And, and that's been evidenced in our results all season. 
So I'm hoping mm-hmm. he's there, and I'm looking forward to the to the matchup this weekend against City. I think if there's a team actually right now in the league that can knock City off on some bizarre, weird technicality or or some some strange goal, that it it is probably either Arsenal or or United. So we shall yeah, see. I, I was going to ask you that. I was thinking about that point um, with Mikel uh, getting tutored under or being, yeah, being coached under Pep's wing for a couple of years at that mm-hmm. city. He was on the staff. Do you think that's an advantage that he has over a lot of managers knowing the system and the style that Pep plays? Do you think he takes any advantage from that? I do think that's an advantage. However, I do also want to take into consideration the fact that Pep has since brought in a new head coach who has taken, or not head coach, but you know what I mean, assistant coach, assistant, yeah. who has who has taken the role that that Mikel did, and him Pep and he are are very good friends and are in constant correspondence with each other uh, about about the way that the team is playing. I heard this earlier on on a couple um, from two different sources actually, uh, two podcasts. They're they're boys, Pep and this new guy. I forget his name, Spanish guy. Um, was he on his old Barca staff? I think so, yeah. And he's kind of, you know how, how there's a manager to manage the players? This guy is a manager to manage the manager. And back in the day, successful managers, especially Sir Alex Ferguson, had a, had, had friends and, and, and assistant coaches that played that role for him. And I think that the team and the dynamic has changed since this guy came in. Um, mid-October, so I don't know how much Mikel will benefit from that, but I do think that, of course, there's an undeniable benefit in knowing the system, knowing the way that Pep manages, and I think that that you may see, um, you, you may see a tactical battle here. Yeah, I know exactly where I'm putting my money this week on the game. Me too. Um, okay, moving on. Everton, nil, Fulham, two. We picked this one. They are just—you never know with them. Sometimes they're so flat, and other times they are so brilliant. There is no predicting this. I said on last week's show that I liked Everton. Everything after this second match against City, bro. Yeah, I'm done with them, bro. I can't. I literally can't with them anymore. They don't have speed. Like I keep saying, they don't have speed. The last two games, they didn't have DCL, and Richarlison was up there. And he got exposed, bro. He cannot play by himself. No, he can't. He needs, he needs a partner. And they didn't even play Hamas in the City game. I know. Yeah. Uh, Everton are just are disappointing. But they somehow stay in these games. It's defense. Yeah. I, I mean, just, that's what it is. And a, strong, a, a relatively strong midfield. I, I have them on the same level right now as like a Brighton. Like they're structurally good. And when it comes to building out of the back, it's like they, they can't connect more than three passes before something's intercepted or they have to just boot it along. Well, they, they rely so much on Allen. I think that's part of why their structure is so yeah. good. That's what I completely forgot he's not there because they've been playing fucking Gomez and mm-hmm. Tom Davies. Yeah. And like those two weren't there at the start because you had DeCorey in there and they pushed Thomas in there at times. Yep. And Sigurdsson has been having a bigger role the past two months. Yeah. So, I mean, they've had injury issues and guys playing out of position. So there's a lot of things going on. But, yeah, I, I'm done with them. I, I kind of am with you here. Um, Scott Parker, who we've been, you know, singing his praise, um, pulled it off here. Josh Maja, 48th and 65th were when he scored 
his two goals. Great performance for the young lad. And, uh, I mean, Ancelotti's got to be just mauling at this. Losing to Fulham? Getting outcoached by some random English guy? Come on, man. I, I understand that Everton have injuries, but it's not like their lineup is that bad. I mean, you have uh, Hamas being pushed up top, arguably not not the best. I don't necessarily think you want to pay you, you want to pair slow with slow. Um and Sigurdsson in like a center attacking mid roll kind of weird. I think that there was there was other options here. Um yeah. I don't know why they didn't um start Josh King. He's a very pacey guy up top. Right. Well that's the thing. Um and play Richardson off as like a supporting winger role. Yeah, I, I don't understand that either. I totally forgot that they got Josh King and then I listened to the two Robbies podcast and they were talking like they were like, I don't know why Ancelotti didn't put Josh King in. I wonder if he's, you know, if he's fit or anything. Cause you have, you really haven't seen him even on the, uh, on the team sheets at all. So I don't he know. He comes in as like a 10, 15 minute uh, sub at the end. But I mean, you bring him in at deadline day and you don't play him as much. Maybe it's, he's getting used to the system. Maybe like you said, he's not match fit. Uh, whatever it is, he's got He's gonna have to get a bigger role, especially if Calvert Lewin's not in there, because Richarlison can't do it. We've seen the last two, three games that he just does not do well up there. Yeah, he's just not. He can't, can't play by up. himself, right? Exactly. Um, so great, great result for Fulham, playing, uh, playing kind of out out of their socks. Honestly, I thought they looked pretty good here. Mm-hmm. But um, don't want to take that away from them. Don't want to say that they're overperforming because I do think that they're capable. Uh, of getting some good results. They do have um, Adamola Lookman, they have Lamina, and they also have uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And I'm a fan of Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I think he's a good player. I think he's a player of of a certain quality. Uh, Ariola, great keeper. I think that this Fulham team, I thought earlier on the season that maybe they, they could stay up. And, you know, if, if they keep things together, if they're beating teams like Everton then they could probably beat teams that are in the mid-table. They should be capable of beating a Southampton. They should be yeah. capable of beating a Burnley. So so we'll have to see, but this is a really good result for them. Yeah, their next two games look pretty good, too. They come up against Sheffield this week, and then they play uh, Crystal Palace team. So if they win both of those, puts them at 25 points, and probably right behind Newcastle there. So yeah. they, they, they have a shot. Indeed, they do. Um... I lost my place. Oh, West Ham. West Ham 3, Sheffield nil. This game went as we had expected. Um, I thought Suchek would be out, but he wasn't. Did that get overturned? Yeah, it was directly overturned the next day because he played in the Newcastle game before this game. Okay, true, true. So so, um, only one goal... Uh, came in the first half. A Declan Rice penalty is is what put West Ham up initially. The second, Issa Diop scored one in the 58th, and then in the dying embers of the game, 96th, Ryan Fredericks added a third. There's not much, all that much to say about this game. Sheffield didn't look good. They looked rather flat. Um, yeah, they picked up a big injury to uh, Johnny Egan in the back, one of their best center defenders. Uh, so Phil Jagielka, 38-year-old vet, is going to have to play a lot more. He's 38. And, uh, yeah, man. I remember, like, he scored in the Merseyside Derby in, like, 09, like a 96-minute yep. screamer off the bar. I remember that. <laughs> but, uh, 
But back to this game, what did you think of the Rice penalty? Because initially, Jesse Lingard grabbed the ball and was getting ready to set it up, but Rice stepped in and took it away from him. What did you think of that move? Well, it's a little unfortunate. Um, I don't necessarily like when a player steps in and takes the ball from another player just in general. Um, I do think De- Declan Rice is a mainstay in this team, so I I understand it. I do understand it, but I, I don't like to see that. I was kind of cringing a little bit. Um, and do you think it had anything to do with Lingard being brand new to the club? Yeah, you no, know, I think that's exactly what it is. I think that's all it is. I don't think I don't think it's that they don't have trust in Lingard or anything like that. I think that these players know that that these you know that Lingard has quality, and that's evidenced by that performance he had you know just a few weeks ago now. But um, I think that's that's all it comes down to. I don't think it's anything else than that. I don't think it's worth reading into other than that. Um, he just hasn't been at the club that long. And and I know somebody that actually had Lingard to score. And, <laughs> and, and they hit, right? So they picked over two and a half. Yeah. Lingard to score. And, uh, and Fulham double result, halftime and full time. And that was the only thing that missed. Because he stepped, he he got the penalty taken away yeah. from him. That's brutal. That's a tough yeah. way to lose a bet. Another bet that didn't hit was like you know the Prem Pickham that NBC Sports runs, mm-hmm. like that the fifty k thing. Yeah, the guy the guy had three of the five games going into this. This was the fourth of the fifth. He had Chelsea winning two nil, which hit. Yeah. But he had West Ham winning this game two nil, and Ryan Fredrick scored in the ninety sixth minute to cock him. Horrible, dude. I would be Cuck- sick. He cocked him for fifty grand. That's brutal. Did he get the other one right? The Chelsea game, yeah. Oh, pain. I saw. I saw he bet that, and then I put money on Chelsea to win two 0 and it hit. And then when I listened back to last week's episode that we recorded, I said Chelsea would win two 0 too. So I was there from the get go, man. Let's go. Uh, Speaking of Chelsea winning two 0 Chelsea two Newcastle nil. Olivier Giroud. I mean, at this point, just rubbing it in. Uh, scored in the 31st. Timo Werner ended his goal drought and added one in the 39th. That was his first Premier League goal in 100 days, by the way. Yeah, I know. It's nice to see. It wasn't the prettiest, but a goal's a goal. Uh, Tammy Abraham did have a scary moment. His foot got caught under Lascelles, uh-huh. and it was like a little anchor roll, but I don't think it's that serious. But I'd like to see Drew get a another run in here i want him to prove to tuchel that he's the guy right now i still don't trust abraham he's still a little goofy i don't know what it is he's awkward yeah he's just awkward and trying to get used to the team and that where jeru's like more experienced and can work with these little guys and like another thing is we're still having issues with consistent uh starters up front he's starting to go with mount and verner which is nice to see those guys are looking positive but you're seeing other guys fall out of favor, like Pulisic and uh, what's his name? Ziyech. Those guys are falling out. And I don't even know what he's going to do when Havertz comes back. I have no idea what he's going to do with that either. That that should be interesting. Um, we shall see. But as we said earlier, uh, Double T has not lost himself a game yet. So I'm I'm really interested to see how long he can keep this unbeaten run going. Um, bringing in a new manager, you always get the new manager bounce. I think that's been established, um, yeah. especially in the Premier League. But I don't think this is a new manager bounce thing. I think that he is uh, a manager of serious quality. I think it was a great move. Um, and I'm hoping that you know his kind of reservedness, because he is reserved, 
mm-hmm. um, continues to work well for Chelsea because it just it wasn't working out under uh, under Frank. I don't think he was ready. I think my most surprising thing that he's been doing is he's been going with Alonzo and yeah. Hudson Adoy rather than James and Chilwell. Yep. Alonzo in that wing back role is perfect where yeah. I think Chilwell does better in a four back. Mm-hmm. And then same with James. I don't know what his wing back role kind of is because Hudson Adoy is like just raw pace out there and he can score where James is more of like a. He'll control the ball and break up play, but I don't know how creative he is going forward. Yeah, obese James. It seems like those guys will get more time when we play the bigger teams, Mm -hmm. when we play the cities and the Liverpools and the Arsenals. Same with N'Golo Conte. He's put more trust in Jorginho and Kovacic in there. Jorginho holding, deep-line playmaker, Kovacic box-to-box, driving runs in the middle and sent other guys up, whereas N'Golo is like your... Your uh, your bruiser, he breaks up the plays and just distributes it to the playmakers. So, I think Agolo will be seeing soon in these big upcoming games. Plus, he's been lacking fitness. He's been getting twenty minute runs, twenty thirty minute runs in the second half. I mean, he's getting up there though in age, and he's a grinder. Yeah. He is yeah. just an aggressive player, and that that burns I mean, you out. It's like driving your car hard. Yeah, he's twenty nine thirty. There's yeah. not many years left in his engine, even yeah. though he's got a massive one, but. Honestly, if he's going to play these other guys more, I think they really need to find his replacement and then sell him on. Yeah, I I could see him maybe moving to to France or something like that. He'll, he'll definitely go career to, at I definitely see him going to PSG. He'll yeah, definitely go there. Just like Matuidi did, like kind yeah. of kind of one of those engine guys that can you know break up play in the midfield. I think that's probably a good shout. Yeah, I could he'll see him moving to France. Home. Yeah. Um. Okay. So that's the end of the match day 24 games. There was two makeup games, uh, Everton Man City being the first and Burnley Fulham being the second. Uh, the Everton Man City game is actually part of match day 16, and that game ended 3-1 in favor of Manchester City. I think we both expected this. Yeah, it was the, all the goals are crazy. They, yeah. they were fucking nice. And then... uh for Charleston's was just absolute pure ridiculousness. I don't know how he got. He just meant Digne hit a blast off the post, and it just hit off for Charleston's thigh two yards out. He got lucky. He was there. Yeah. Uh, Mars had the goal of the week for me. Oh, he collected so the ball out wide, took his guy a little shoulder drop, and smashes it off the far post. And in those class, that just shows that he's top notch, and that guy can't even get a start every single week, and that's crazy. Right, I mean, it it really speaks to City's depth, but also just to you know, it, it's it's nice to witness that Mares really hasn't missed a beat, even in all this time that he hasn't been getting a start every week, or he's been struggling with fitness or injury or whatever. He he truly, I don't think, has dipped much in quality since the Leicester days, and that is that it's been a couple of years now since since that move. But when you see Mares at his best. He, he has not missed a step. He truly hasn't. His ceiling has not dropped whatsoever as he's aged. And he's he is a joy to watch. He truly is. Yeah, he's one of the best one-on-one attackers I've yeah. seen in the league for a while. He just absolutely eats people up. There was one move he had on, I think it was Holgate. He like uh, did a little stutter step and Holgate fell back on his heels and it opened up a gap for him to find a cross. Mm-hmm. Just little things like that that give you half a yard yeah, to create something is... Is just elite, elite level play. 
he has such a vision for the game as well and being able to use both feet so well on top of being so talented um in the way that he moves the ball you know at his feet he he just does things and that most players cannot do and it's like he has glue on his feet it's just it's so impressive and uh, it's great. I- I've always liked watching Mares play, especially back in the day when he was at Leicester. I mean, everyone rooted for Leicester because they were the underdog. They still have a chance this year. Yes, they do. Uh, they're in second now, aren't they? Uh, they're tied for second, but for second. United's got a better goal differential. Okay. Yeah, because of that 9-0 thumping of Southampton. Uh, yeah, Everton 3, Manchester's... Er, Sorry, Everton won, City three. This was it. It went the way that, that we thought it would. Foden scored, Mares scored, Silva scored. Bernardo Silva is also having a great season. Um, it was just pure domination here. There's there's really not much else to say about it. Uh, the second game, interesting. I did say that you know Fulham should be capable of beating a team like Burnley. Of course, they didn't. One uh, one between the two teams. Ola Aina scored in the 49th, and then Ashley Barnes scored in the 52nd, and that was it. I mean, those were the two really sharp moments of focus in the game. Uh, Burnley registered three shots on target, and Fulham registered three shots on target. Both teams aren't in necessarily um, fantastic form. Uh, kind of similar form, actually. A couple draws, a win, and a loss in both Burnley's and Fulham's uh, last five and this was just kind of a stinker. Yeah, I thought this was a fair result for both teams. Me too. I mean, Fulham, if they could have won this game, would have been huge. They'd only be four points outside the relegation zone. Um, I think Newcastle should definitely get relegated the way they've been playing. Fulham okay. should de- de- Fulham definitely deserve to stay up more than them. They've played better ball as of lately. But yeah, these team, two teams are level playing field, like we said um Burnley are inconsistent with how often they can score, but they definitely can hold teams, whereas Fulham are more possession-based and meticulous with their opportunities. So yeah, a 1-1 is a fair result. Uh, I think both of them can move forward with positive outlooks. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Okay, we're at just about an hour here for you, so we're going to quickly run through our games here. Um, first game actually of the week is tomorrow. Wolves take on Leeds United. I am certain that I will be on the Leeds train here. I think they bounce back after a disappointing performance against Arsenal. And I think Wolves are certainly mortal. They only beat Southampton 2-1. So I think Southampton are kind of a, a slobbery, slippery team right now. And they're not really playing all that well. Uh, so for Wolves to only win 2-1 there, not that impressive to me. I think Leeds blow them wide open at the back and trounce them. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, giving up a goal to Southampton early like that, especially in the form they've been as of lately, is is uh, is very revealing. And Leeds are a team that, like we said, go man-to-man and just take advantage of their matchups, and I think they will have a big advantage here. Uh, they are away from home, but I think they do better away from home. So I'm going to go with Leeds here, definitely. Okay. Next game, Southampton-Chelsea. I just spoke about Southampton. You know how I feel about them. Uh, I called them slobbery, I believe. I meant to say sloppy, but slobbery works too. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to take Chelsea here uh, straight up. Yeah, the, with the form they're in right now, you can't bet against them. Right. 
I, th- I think Chelsea are the biggest favorites this week out of all the matchups. They're sitting at minus, uh, only minus 140 right now. Mm-hmm. It must have changed. But still, one of the big favorites this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see a reason why not to pick them, especially with Southampton losing s- six straight games in the league. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we can hold Danny Ings to nothing. I think Rudiger's been playing really well as P back there, and Christensen's been getting a nod over Zuma, which is uh, interesting, but it's been working, so I can't really talk shit about it. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think Chelsea here definitely again. I, I'm still on the bandwagon of they can't score more than two goals. So I could definitely see this game finishing 2-1. Yep. Okay. Uh, Burnley, West Brom's the next fixture. Um, regardless of who I pick, it's going to be wrong. So I'm going to say Burnley. <laughs> I think Burnley win. I could uh, totally see this being a draw, though. These are probably the two most defensive teams in the league. Uh, West Brom are not necessarily defensively strong, but they are defensive. That's just how they play. Uh, Burnley, defensively strong. Not a ton of goals conceded there. That's how Dyche likes to play. And I can... It's hard for me to say to, to say draw, but... The last time these guys played was back in know. October. And it I'm kind of laboring. Yeah, I'll do draw again then. Draw. Big Sam coming off a huge draw against United, now picking up points against them and City, which you never thought would have happened this year. Um, they, their new striker, I like him. It just depends on how much service they can get into him. And against a team like Burnley, Ben Mee is out with concussion protocol, so they will be without one of their best center backs. Uh, so I think they can take advantage of that. I do give the advantage to Burnley, though. I definitely think Burnley will have more chances. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Uh, it's a hard one. I don't think I'm gonna labor over another one like this the whole time. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with Burnley again. I think okay. Burnley get the result here. You'll probably be right then, and I'll have been wrong again because Burnley's <laughs> involved. <laughs> um, okay. Liverpool take on Everton in the second Merseyside Derby of the year. Kind of a hard one. Um, I don't think Liverpool can have another nightmare like they did against Leicester last week. Like we said, Everton, kind of lack of sharpness. I don't know if DCL will be back or not. Um, Because of that, I'm going to give Liverpool the edge. But I'm going to include the disclaimer that if DCL is back, I can see this Liverpool side losing to Everton. Yeah, the last two matches between these two teams have been draws. The most recent one ending 2-2. Mm-hmm. Charleston got a 90th-minute red card. Um, going to be a fierce game. It's going to be one or loss in the midfield, I think. Uh, I think Thiago not playing in that Leicester game or starting in that Leicester game was a huge loss for them creatively going forward. Uh, he probably will start in this game, though. And uh, My gut instinct tells me to pick a draw. I don't know. I just think Everton in these big games always somehow stick around until the end. And like you said, if DCL's in this, anything can happen. But I'm going to go with Liverpool here. I think they can continue their form after that big Leipzig win. I think Salah and Mane starting to score again. I think they expose Everton for who they truly are. So I'm going to go with Liverpool. Awesome. Um. Okay. Uh. Next game is Fulham-Sheffield. 
for me, it's Fulham because I think Fulham had a great result last week. I think they look really sharp. And I think if they can get Maja in a good position again this week, that he could score again. And Sheffield, we know, are not scorers. And that's really all the justification I need. Yeah, Sheffield, now that Burnley scored those three goals, or the least, or the scored the fewest goals, sitting on 15, they've given up 40, which is a good amount. Fulham uh, only conceded 32, which is the lowest out of the is the lowest out of the bottom three right now by a big margin. Um, both surprisingly, both only have three wins this season. Fulham sitting on 10 draws. Uh, I'm gonna go with a draw here. Okay. Uh, I just don't know what it is about Fulham. They just can't get these wins in these crucial games. They're just choke artists when it matters. So I'm gonna go with a draw. Okay. That's good. Next match, West Ham, Tottenham. This is kind of a tough one for me. I don't know where I sit. West Ham, obviously, in pretty good form. Tottenham, in not so great form, seem to be floundering a bit. Um, although Kane is is back in full force here. So I think that this game could truly go either way. I don't see it ending as a draw. I think there will be a decisive winner. I don't necessarily know where I stand, though. I mean, the last time these guys played, it ended in a 3-3 draw, that huge comeback from West Ham. Yeah. They were down 3-0. Lanzini scored the, the the equalizer in the 94th minute with an absolute screamer. Yep. Uh, I think I think Mourinho backs, bounces back here. I think Tottenham gets a big win against a West Ham side that sometimes don't show up in these games. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, they're they're right behind City, uh, earning the most points after the turn of the new year. Um, nineteen points in their games since the beginning of the year, which is a good amount. And it's an early game on Sunday, so I think Tottenham are going to show up. I think Kane's going to pop off. Okay. And really expose Craig Dawson back there for his speed. I'm so gonna, I'm gonna go. go with Spurs here. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with you there on Tottenham. I I can see that happening as well. Uh, so I am with you. Next match: Aston Villa versus Leicester City. If Vardy plays in this game, I'm taking City. Villa looked absolutely impotent last week. I don't think that they're gonna be back this week either. I think that they're gonna have another shitty week before they can get back to their form. Um. I think Villa are pretenders too, and I think Leicester just have more quality. And as you know, just the return of James, uh, of Jamie Vardy, James Vardy, of Jamie Vardy last week, um, was was so important for them. And he's such a talismanic player for them, and he's so talented. Uh, I I think Leicester win this. This is kind of it's definitely a hard one. I I can see where maybe you would think, um, draw, but what i was thinking too but i think villa here at home get the win i i just i was saying at the beginning of the show like lester's starting to pop off but i think villa at home here dean smith's gonna get the guys up for it i think jack Grealish is gonna open up those fullback roles now that james justin is out for the year uh, they've been playing Pereira out there on the left and uh amarty at right back who naturally is a holding mid so I think the speed of those guys on the wings is going to be useful for them. And I think Minks can hold up Vardy for the whole 90. So I'm going to go with Villa here in an upset. Okay, cool. Um, next match, match of the week for me. Can't, cannot wait. I'm backing yeah. Arsenal. I am. I actually am backing Arsenal. I think they can undo it. Undo City. 
They're not going to, but I think they can. (laughs) See, like, I was thinking the same thing. I'm on the Mikel thing with, like, the system and everything and getting his players in the right roles. But for Arsenal to win this game, everybody is going to have to do their role, to play their role to a T, and they cannot have any hiccups. I know. Because the smallest thing, City will take advantage of it. And they have lethal scores all over the field. Even you have Cancelo coming out of the defense who can hit absolute bangers. I know. So Arsenal are going to have to play the best game of their season to win this. And I think they can. I think this is the game that City's run ends. It's at the Emirates. It's going to be massive. For Arsenal, if Arsenal can win this, they can put them even closer to those European spots. So this is going to be a massive win and a marquee win for them for this season. I agree with you, and I think that's that's where I stand. I just think Arsenal are probably a great value too, betting. And uh, I'm sorry, great value, but I think I'm just I think there's a little piece of me that thinks I'm being delusional, but I'm still. Oh, me too. I know I'm being delusional. But just hedge your bet then. That's all you have to do. Just hedge it a little bit. You're good. Don't worry about it. Um, make sure that if Arsenal win, you win a little more. And if City win, then you win back what you put bet on Arsenal. Right. Uh, okay. Manchester United, Newcastle. I hate betting on United. I hate it. I absolutely hate it because I don't think that they're that good. I think they're fraudulent. But I'm going to say United beat this Newcastle team. Newcastle are so flat, man. They're, they are just horrendous. Their best, yeah, their best pairing in the midfield is fucking the Longstaff brothers. Yeah, you got John Joe and Hendricks in there as well. And their best guy going forward without Wilson right now until the beginning of April is St. Maximin. Right. So I really like him, but he needs somebody to help him up there. He can't be alone. Agreed. And I, Ryan Frazier and Jolington... Uh, can't do the job, so yeah, I ha- I have to go with United here because I just do not see them even getting a draw. Okay, we're in agreement then. Brighton, Crystal Palace, next one. Yikes, dude! Yikes! Brighton have the worst record at home. I think they only have one win at home this season. And Every time Crystal- I bet on Palace, they suck. Uh, I- I'm going with Brighton here. I have to just they're defensively so structured well. And they do extremely well against mid-table teams right now. It's just whether they can put the goal, put the ball in the back of the net multiple times. And I don't know if they can. So I think Brighton win this in a close one, probably 1-0. Okay, we're both Brighton supporters this week then. You seem to be you seem to be Brighton's like biggest fan, so I'm just going to ride with you. I'm just, I'm just, they've been looking good. I know. I, I mean, I was sucking Burnley for a couple weeks, dude. Yeah. Like, the Premier League's one hell of a drug. It really is. Um and then there's a there's a makeup game on February twenty third. That's match day eighteen. Technically, we might as well just just say what we have for our picks there. Um, Leeds take on Southampton, and we we've characterized Southampton as many things today. Uh, good is not one of them. I think that that Leeds can beat Wolves this week, and then um, just a few days later, take on Southampton and win. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Leeds as well. I just they they've been the absolute shitter. They give up so many goals <laughs> the past two months, man. It's insane. And I know they, they they just can't figure it out right now. Ralph's got to really dig deep to find. They have to go back to the basics. They need to hold teams get to get these clean sheets to get motivation. Since beating and Liverpool, they've been horrible. It's it's crazy. It's like a jinx. I know. 
So yeah, I, I have to go with Leeds here. Leeds just looks so good going forward, and I love Rafinha up there. He's so creative. He reminds me of Mars a little bit, just yeah. how silky he is on the ball. So yeah, I have to go with Leeds. Okay, cool. That concludes the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, as always, for listening to us. I think we provided you some excellent insight today, if I do say so myself. And I thank you all for watching. Um, please let us know <clears throat> if there is anything you'd like us to talk about or do. Um, you can reach us at social media or reach us at social media. You can find us on social media at Post20Pod, Twitter, Instagram, whatever else you want to look for. Um, and then obviously on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts is where our podcast can be found and listened to. So listen to us wherever you want. Share us with your friends. Talk to us on Twitter. That's where we are mostly. Um, and, uh, and, and take care. Matt, is there anything else from you? Note that rounded it off pretty good. Just see you guys next week. Yep. All right. We'll see y'all. Take care.